Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to the Larry Bird episode of the Banner Banter Podcast. If you don't know Larry Bird's number, I would I would just tell you right now, you should probably stop listening to this podcast. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. How you doing? My name's Timmy G. I'm the host of the Banner Banter Podcast and your favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Hope everyone had a delightful St. Patrick's Day weekend. I had a great time at the Celtics game on Saturday afternoon, and more importantly, congrats to my Duke Blue Devils for winning the ACC tournament and the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Anyways, Celtics are 43-27. and They are now 26-10 and at home after... All the games that they had this week, they're now two games behind the 76ers for the third seed and one game behind the Pacers for the fourth seed. Now, I hate the 76ers, but I got to give them props because they went to Milwaukee and handed the Milwaukee Bucks a big fat loss, a big fat L after Giannis Antetokounmpo dropped 52 points. Most teams in the NBA, if Giannis drops 52 points, are losing. It's true but not the 76ers, so congrats to them. And you know what? Let them stay in the three seed. Just like I talked about last week, I want that four seed, especially since the Bucks just lost one of their most important players. Magden Brogdon is going to be out six to eight weeks with an injury in his foot. So that weakens their guard area, and Brogdon has always killed the Celtics, so it sucks. I hope he can come back because you obviously want to beat a team at full strength in the playoffs. To, you know, it just makes you feel better. But that is a big-time loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I would rather play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. I talked about that last week. I don't want to repeat myself. Now, the remaining strength of schedule for these three teams, that being the Celtics, 76ers, and Pacers, 76ers have the 28th toughest schedule. Yikes. Pacers have the 6th toughest schedule left. They still have to play the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Trailblazers, all on the road. Yikes. Ugh. That's not good. And then the Celtics have the 13th toughest remaining schedule, which is fine. And so one thing I want to talk about this week, you know, obviously Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, we have all their draft picks. Well, hopefully the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are currently sixth place, like the sixth worst record in the league. They're 28 and 42. And then you look at like that ninth spot. It's the Washington Wizards at 30 and 40. So if the Wizards go on like a little three or four game losing streak and the Grizzlies go on like a little three or four game winning streak and the Mavs keep losing and the Pelicans keep losing, there's an opportunity you could get that ninth pick in this year's draft and you would get someone like DeAndre Hunter from the University of Virginia, who's a stud. So, and according to BPI on ESPN, I think, what did I see? Yeah, Virginia has a 32% chance of winning the NCAA tournament this year. And because of that, DeAndre Hunter. No joke. 
So keep an eye out on that, folks. Now, Kings pick, 14th, Clippers pick, 18th, and the Celtics have the 22nd pick right now. So just keep an eye out on the Mavs, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Wizards. I'm not saying pay a lot of attention to it, but maybe every once in a while just Google NBA standings and, and see see where they lie because if the Grizzlies, if we can get four first-round draft picks this year, that would be absolutely crazy. But let's get into recapping some of the games last week. We'll, unfortunately, we'll have to talk about the Clippers game because it was not pretty from the start. It was flat-out ugly. It, it was okay looking, and then it, 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 it got gross real quick. The Celtics defense was nowhere to be found. Clearly spending five days in L.A. was not a good thing for a young basketball team. They allowed 37 39 and 39 in the second, third, and fourth quarters. And in last week's episode, I asked for a couple things. Win the rebound battle. I think if they won the rebound battle, they would probably win this game. And they lost by 18 rebounds. They got out-rebounded by 18. Absolutely insane. And then I asked, try to control Gallinari and Lou Williams. They combined for 57 points out of the 140 that the Clippers scored. A Brad Stevens team giving up 140 points was mind-boggling to me. It really and truly was. Especially Gallinari, like right away, he scored like 11 or 12 points, like right in the first quarter. It was infuriating. It it really was. And then I asked for them to keep up with Harrell's energy. He comes off the bench, and he had 20 and 6 and was a plus 15. So the three things I asked for them to do, they didn't do. It's like they don't listen to the podcast. It's absolutely unbelievable. Anyways, but... Tatum was out with a sh- a sore shoulder. I can I always have a hard time saying that together. A sore shoulder. And to be honest with you, I think he was just hungover. Dude just turned 21. He probably wanted to live it up. I just think he had a sore shoulder. And, you know, the Celtics played it off that he was okay and was a full participant at the following practice and all that. It was crap. But Jalen Brown did start for Jason Tatum and had the most points from any of the starters. You know, Jalen has been playing very well as of late. But once again... A zero assist game. It's mind-boggling to me that he's the that he is the smartest dude off the court, but one of the dumbest when it comes to realizing that he has teammates. It, it's absolutely crazy. But don't worry about it. Kyrie had eleven assists, so I guess you could say that kind of made up for one of the starters having a goose egg amount of assists. Now, speaking of frustrating, but I guess good games was Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier had a, had a good game. He was 10 of 14 from the floor, 6 of 9 from 3. He played very well off the bench. The only problem is he is terrible at defense. He cannot defend a statue. If he literally went up to the Bill Russell statue at Government Center and stood there, the statue would get by him. I'm not even kidding. He's a terrible defender. And I'm, I was a little, a little pissed is a strong word. I was absolutely furious at Brad Stevens for putting him on Lou Williams. Lou Williams, I just need to say congratulations to him because he has now scored the most points off the bench by any player in NBA history. He passed Del Curry. Very impressive stat. Lou Williams is always one of those guys. He's got sick handles, a sweet shot. like One of those guys that you just can't hate in the NBA. But Terry Rozier couldn't guard him, and it was so infuriating. And I honestly think that if you were to say, give me top two reasons why they lost, I would say number one, rebounding, and number two, Terry Rozier couldn't guard uh, Lou Williams. Yeah, being serious. It was, it was 
absolutely bananas. But here's the positive I'm going to take, okay? I know I'm a little bit of a negative Nancy towards Terry Rozier this year, and I should be. And if you don't agree with that, then see ya. If Terry Rozier wants to start getting hot now, start feeling his shot, being more confident with his shot, I'm I'm here for it. If he has finally decided to play his ass off so he can go get money this summer because he knows that Kyrie might be staying, do you, boo-boo. Go get that paper. Go, go, go. He, he has sucked this year. So if he's all obviously realized, oh, no, you know, I might not get as much money as I thought I would. I'm going to ball out. Fine. Do it. Do it in the playoffs. We need it. We need you off the bench. We need you to be confident. We need you to play somewhat reasonable defense. So I'm here. I'm here for Terry Rozier starting to feel himself. I I really, really am. But I think one of the biggest questions after this Clippers game, and, and I mentioned it in episode 32, was how is this team going to react? Yeah, Are they going to be pissed at each other on the plane right back? Are they going to have another good plane right back? Because if you, lost, if you ask a lot of NBA players, you always hear them saying the toughest game after the West Coast trip is always that first game back at home. It really truly is. And it definitely showed when they played the Sacramento Kings. Because the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday night, uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday night, they shot 70% from the field in the first quarter, and they dropped 38 points on the Celtics. And I know I really and truly focus probably too much on how many points the Celtics allow per quarter, but it has to be talked about because the Sacramento Kings should not be dropping 38 points in a quarter. I mean, neither should the Clippers dropping 39, 39, and 37. That, That just shouldn't be happening for a team that has the fifth best defensive rating in the NBA. That should just shouldn't be happening. I know not a lot of teams play defense anymore in the NBA. I get that. But one of the reasons why it's so fun to cheer for the Celtics is because Brad Stevens forces them to play defense. And it's just frustrating to see that. So at the end of the first quarter, the Celtics, I think, were down 12 against the Kings. Might have even been higher. But with about nine, with about nine and a half minutes to go in the second quarter, the Celtics were down 17. 17. And guess what? They did what they were supposed to do. They did what they have been doing over the last couple of weeks, minus the Clippers game, where they woke up, they said, F this, and then they cut it down to six by halftime. So that was great to see. I was very, very happy about it. Then the Celtics took over the lead in the third, but it only lasted literally, I think it was like 10 or 11 seconds, maybe 12 seconds, because then the Kings went on a 16 to 2 run once the Celtics took over the lead, and just like that, they were down 13. But once they were down 13, Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown decided to take over, and they combined for 17 points in the third quarter. Mook had a great game. I was very happy with standby your man, Marcus Morris. 21 points, 13 boards. It's probably the best he's looked in weeks. And last week, I mentioned on the podcast, hey, if he doesn't play the Kings game, that's fine because I would rather have him rest his knees. But if they didn't have Mar- uh, Marcus Morris in that game, they would have lost by a lot. Yeah, seriously. Now, one of the cooler sequences during this comeback for the Celtics at the end of the third quarter was Jalen Brown hit three three three-pointers in a row in less than 100 seconds. So, like, two minutes, basically. Incredible, huh? Especially coming from Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has really turned a corner. Am am I hopping on the Jalen Brown bandwagon? Absolutely not, but I'm very proud of the way that he's playing. I really, truly am. So... Celtics take the lead going into the fourth quarter thanks to Gordon Hayward just putting his head down, attacking the basket, floating it up, and it went in. 
I was really happy with the way Gordon Hayward played because Gordon Hayward, I don't think, hit a shot in the first half. I think he went like 0 for 3. And I feel like earlier this year, Gordon Hayward would have been extremely frustrated. Like if this was like November, December, January, he would have been like, what the hell, man, this sucks. But he came back in the second half, shot 3 of 4, finished with 10 points. It was very, very impressive in that second half. That's what you need. You need Gordon Hayward to have confidence. Now, one thing I was super pumped about was the Time Lord. Robert Williams came back, finally got some minutes. He played six minutes, was a plus five, and his impact changed the game. He came in. It was him and Horford, so obviously two very good block. block, Wow, I cannot talk right now. Obviously, two guys who can block shots, and that puts the fear in the other team. And they they decided to settle for outside shots. Why is my brain just going, eh, meh, meh, so frustrating? Um, but the Time Lord, like I said, puts fear in guards' eyes. And the way DeAndre, DeAndre, Darren Fox and Buddy Heal were attacking the basket, they stopped doing that once Time Lord came in, and he made a huge impact. Numbers, you know, I... I don't think he scored. I think he only got one rebound. But his impact on the defensive end of the floor made the Celtics win this basketball game. Now, the other thing that also... I, I say now a lot, don't I? I feel like I'm really pissed at my brain right now because it's like being repetitive. But anyways, Kyrie Irving. He was awesome. Second career triple-double. He was so impressive. He shot the ball so well in the first half. and He didn't in the second half. And I feel like... Before the plane ride, Kyrie would have kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting until he got what he wanted, but he didn't do that. He had four assists in the first half when he was shooting the ball well, and then he wasn't shooting the ball well in the second half, and he had eight assists. And he, I feel like he led the team the right way, and that's what you want to see with Kyrie Irving. I'm all for that. I really and truly am. I, I thought Kyrie did a great job in this Kings game, and I think he did even a better job in the Hawks game. Kyrie had almost another triple-double. 30 points, 11 boards, and 9 assists. Ky- now, if you look at it, that means Kyrie's had, what, 22, 23 rebounds in the last two games. And I bet you if I were to look up his numbers right now on, hold on, let me look up his numbers right now, on how well he's been rebounding the ball lately, I it, it would probably blow your mind. I'm being serious. It would probably blow your mind. Hold on a second. Where's Kyrie? So let me. Th- so one thing that we also have to talk about about the Hawks game real quick is the fact that Gordon Hayward ran into a really good screen by John Collins. wasn't his fault. I don't think anyone called it out because he he had no idea it was coming. Z- literally zero idea it was coming. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. And he's now in the NBA con- concussion protocol, so he'll probably miss the Nuggets game. He'll probably miss the 76ers game, and. He should be back for the Hornets game. Usually it takes about five or six days. Obviously, Horford's took a lot longer, but Horford's had history with concussions. Gordon Hayward has not had history with concussions, if I remember correctly, but just keep an eye out on Gordon Hayward. He might be out for a couple games, and that's fine. So, yeah. So, if you look at, like, the All-Star break, since the All-Star break, Kyrie's had, let's see, five, four, five, six, nine, nine, five, seven, two, ten, and 11 for rebounds. He's averaging 5.1 rebounds this year and his career average is 3.6. So that's crazy that Kyrie's getting those type of rebounds 
And he was talking about it post game because one of the reporters asked him, you know, why are you rebounding more? And he brought up a great point. Kyrie was basically said he wasn't allowed to do it because LeBron was around. I mean, good luck trying to get a rebound over LeBron James. And then on the offensive boards, Tristan Thompson was also playing for the Cavs. So pretty, I mean, it's pretty legit when you actually think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, well, you're like, what, 6'3", buck 90, soaking wet. And, yeah, you're not going to be getting a lot of rebounds over Thompson and LBJ. But it also pisses me off that our point guard should shouldn't be leading the team in rebounds. So Tatum, Brown, Morris, Horford, Baines, those guys need to rebound the ball a lot better for this team to be successful in the playoffs. And what now, I'm not going to talk a lot about the Hawks game because, you know, they went into it, they should have won, they did win, um, and the Celtics had a 20-point lead in this game. I think it was like 24 at one point, and they just let the Hawks cut it down to three. The bench was really not that good if you take away Jalen Brown. The bench kind of sucked, and it was one of those games where they could have just blown it out of the water, given Kyrie and Al Horford some rest, and they didn't, and that was extremely frustrating. But the Hawks, I'm telling you, the Hawks are going to be good. They can get another draft pick. I think they actually have two. Yeah, they'll have... They'll probably end up with two first-round draft picks, like, in the lottery. Like, they could probably get, like, a Cam Reddish or a Jackson Hayes, like Cam Reddish from Duke, Jackson Hayes from Texas, or they could get a DeAndre Hunter, um, or if, if, if they're lucky, you know, maybe Ja Morant drops to five. I don't think that will happen, but anyways... The Hawks are going to be good. I love John Collins. I would love John Collins on the Celtics. Oh, man. Just a young, athletic freak of nature that kid is. He can jump through the ceiling, loves to play, has great defensive energy. I really and truly like that kid. But, yeah, nothing really crazy to talk about with the Hawks game. Kyrie almost had a triple-double. The bench gave up the lead. And, oh, there is one thing. After the game, Al Horford talked about how he's probably going to set out four more games this year. And that's fine. He needs to rest his knee. If his knee starts hurting, that's fine. And so I was looking at the schedule, and I'm trying to figure out what four games he's probably going to sit out. So obviously we got the Nuggets, 76ers, the Hornets this week. Probably not going to sit out any of those games. And the Spurs, too. He's probably not going to sit out any of those. 26th against the Cavs, he'll probably sit out. The 29th versus the Pacers, he won't sit out. The 30th versus the Nets, yeah, I think so. And then the Heat game, he won't. Maybe the Heat game on the road that he will. And then you got the Orlando Magic and the Washington Wizards the last two games. So I could see Al Horford, like, if the four seed is locked up for them, like after that game on the fifth against the Indiana Pacers on the road, which is the third to last game of the season, I could see Al Horford not playing the seventh or the ninth versus the Magic or the Wizards as long as that four seed is locked up, which I hope by that point it is. That would actually be... Lovely. All right, guys, let's get into the stud and dud of the week. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week, and the stud is Jalen Brown. Um, yep, that's right. I said it. Jalen Brown has really stepped up his game 
as of late, he sucked earlier this year. I was very harsh on him. I still am. And I'm happy to admit that, you know, he has shut me up for a bit. But it has to continue in the playoffs. He can't be playing like this and then just be a dud in the playoffs. He really can't. I mean, if you look at the last three games, 22 points versus the Clippers, 22 points versus the Kings, and 23 points versus the Hawks. All very good. But at the same time, Jalen, you have zero assists still in games. You have teammates. Jalen Brown, we've played 12 games since the All-Star break. 12. He has a total of 14 assists in five of those games. Five out of 12. That's, you know, almost 50%. Let's just say 40%. And if you correct me with my math, go to hell. Five games with zero assists. Five. 40% of his games, zero assists. You got teammates, bud. You've been playing well. Maybe make a couple extra passes, and I guarantee you'll be playing even better. That is a promise. But... If he keeps shooting the way that he did, like in the Kings game, where he made those three threes in a row that really helped them, you know, come back and win that basketball game after being down 17 and then being down 13, sure, keep shooting, but don't force it. So, Jalen Brown, your stud of the week. The dud, it was tough because no one really played like that bad. I could say the entire team against the Clippers was a dud, but that's boring. So, we got to find something more fun, more interesting. So, we'll talk about the stomach bug that went around the team. Marcus Smart got hit with it Tuesday, almost didn't play Thursday, and he didn't look like himself in that game, in the Kings game. If you look at how Marcus Smart played against the Kings on Thursday and then how he played against the Hawks on Saturday, it was like day and night. So it was absolutely crazy how well, or I'm sorry, how much better he played when he wasn't sick. And then it also, Terry Rozier missed a game, Daniel Tice missed a game, Yabo missed a game, so... I mean, I mean, Yabo misses a lot of games because he usually doesn't play that much. But So the stomach bug is your dud this week just because I felt like everyone else, you know, no complaints really, which which is good. I, I, I don't want duds. I don't. But, you know, it's a tough job here at the Banner Branch Podcast. we got to pick them out. So Celtics have four games this week. Probably the top – this is their their last week with a really, really tough schedule. You know, you got – Nuggets, very good. 76ers, very good. Hornets, reasonable. Spurs, been on fire as of late. So they got two home games and two road games. Home game tonight versus the Nuggets, and then Sunday versus the Spurs. Both games are at 7.30, one on Monday, one on Sunday. And then the road games, 76ers and the Hornets. 76ers is Wednesday at 7, and Hornets is Saturday at 6. Got it? Great. Nuggets are very, are very, so let's get right into the Nuggets game because the Nuggets are a very good team. They're only one game, one or two games behind the Warriors for the number one seed in the West. Not a lot of people can say that over the last four or five years, but the war, I mean, the Nuggets have been able to do that. This is the first game of their East Coast road trip for the Nuggets. So obviously they'll be very energetic. I'd obviously rather play them three games in versus their first game in, but it is what it is. Now let's get into the elephant into the room. Oh, yeah. The elephant in the room. The return of Isaiah Thomas. IT4. The little guy. (sighs) Can we please get over this thing? Seriously, can we please get over this thing for the love of God? I am so sick of this. I hope the Celtics do not do a tribute video for Isaiah Thomas. Okay? I'm not going to work today. I sold my tickets to the game. I want absolutely nothing to do with this. Now, let me just say this right away. Did Isaiah Thomas give us some amazing Celtics moments? Moments where I was there 
It was unbelievable. It was incredible. Yep. I will never take that away from Isaiah Thomas. I really won't. I'm, I'm being serious, okay? He did some great things for the Celtics team. He really did. But guys, the way people are treating him is like Paul Pierce coming back, which is a load of garbage, and I find that very disrespectful. Isaiah Thomas was only on this team for two years, six months, and 11 days. Get over it. Get over it. And are the Celtics in better shape because of him? I mean, I won't argue the fact that Gordon Hayward and Al Horford came here because they want to play with Isaiah Thomas. So sure, you could say that Isaiah Thomas made the Celtics better. I'm not going to argue with that. But I think we overhype him a great deal. His teams were 10 and 15 in the playoffs. 10 and 15. A losing record, five games below 500 while Isaiah Thomas was on this team in the playoffs. Okay? He averaged four and a half turnovers in the playoff games. Four and a half turnovers. And he shot 30% from three. Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier shoot better numbers than that. Okay? I think we overhype him a little bit. He was incredible. The little guy. But if Isaiah Thomas was three inches taller, would we be, would, would Celtics Nation or Celtics fans, whatever the hell you want to call them, all the pink hat fans that are mildly obsessed that he's coming back, would you care? He's a nice, he was a nice guy to everyone but me. So maybe that's why I'm still a little butthurt. But like, he, he's not good anymore, guys. If, the Celtics gave him all this money with that hip injury. We would all be pissed. People are pissed at the Gordon Hayward contract with how poorly Gordon has played for the first part of the year. Maybe not the second, you know, the second part of the year. But this dude hasn't played. He's now being taken out of the rotation for the Nuggets, which is currently a much better team than this current Celtics team. So... You wanted to give this dude $30 million a year with a bad hip? And people can say, oh, well, the Celtics forced him to play. No, that was his decision. He decided to play and mess up his hip, and he'll never be the same again. This is, what, his fourth team since he's been traded? That's because he's not that good anymore. He's really not. He had his two years. I understand he was the last pick of the draft. It's an incredible story. I get all that. But he's out of the rotation. But I... Would love to see all these people that are so pissed at Gordon Hayward's contract to see Isaiah Thomas with his bad hip making the same amount of money. I would love to see that. Seriously. And yes, I am still mad about the breakfast thing. That was rude. I bought your family breakfast and you say nothing. And then you have your business manager tweet me out because I tweeted at you like you couldn't even respond. Come on. It was the day after you got voted for your first All-Star game. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I am. But here's the thing. Who do you want right now, Kyrie Irving or Isaiah Thomas? I want Kyrie Irving. Maybe I'm a little biased. I'm a, you guys know I'm a big Kyrie guy. But in that moment, because as far as I know, if we were to look at the playoffs, Kyrie gave Isaiah Thomas four losses, in the 2015-2016 playoffs? Or was that 2004? Anyways, a Kyrie Irving team, yes, LeBron James was on it, but Kyrie was the number two guy, swept them one year, and then swept them another year. 
But Isaiah Thomas does have some nice, you know, all-time leading stats for the Celtics. But one that really sticks out to me is PER, player efficiency rating. I think it's a big stat. What PER takes account is all the accomplishments a player makes, such as field goals made, free throws made, three-pointers made, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. And it also accumulates negative results as well, such as missed shots, turnovers, personal fouls. And basically the formula adds positive stats, subtracts negative stats through a, a point value system. Now, Isaiah Thomas, before he got traded, was the all-time leader for the Boston Celtics. But you know who is the all-time leader right now? Kyrie Irving. Time to move on, folks. Thank you, Isaiah Thomas, for what you did. Now, notice that I can say thank you to you, Isaiah Thomas, but you can't say thank you to me when I fed your family for one breakfast and you're a gazillionaire. And I wasn't. I was just a box office manager at House of Blues at the time. Absolutely ridiculous. But can we please, please move on from Isaiah Thomas giving us a handful of memories? Because the way some Celtics fans are acting about about this return is up there with Paul Pierce. And it's a joke. An absolute joke. Guy was here for two years. But anyways, all right. Rant over. That felt good. The Nuggets game. If Isaiah Thomas plays, as of right now, he's out of the rotation. So we could get another tribute video for Isaiah Thomas where he doesn't even play. Tim, stop talking about Isaiah Thomas. Got it. Okay. These two teams played in November. The Nuggets were 8-1 at the time, 9-1 at the time. The Celtics were up 15 at the end of 1 and lost by 8. And do you want to know why? Because of the amount of points they gave up later in the game. They allowed 19 in the first Lovely, delicious, give me a hug. 27th and the 4th, mm, makes me feel warm inside. But then 35 and 34 in the 2nd and 3rd quarter, and that's why they lost. They need to stop playing terrible defense in the 2nd and 3rd quarters. I don't know what it is. I don't know why they go so hard in the 1st and so hard in the 4th, but are, last day, are, are lazy in the 2nd and 3rd. They got to figure that out. They really and truly do. In this in this game, if I remember correctly, Jamal Murray went off for like 48 points. He he literally couldn't miss. So if Marcus Smart or Kyrie or I would say Terry, but he can't play defense, Jalen Brown, if any of those guys can control Jamal Murray, that's obviously a great thing because in the last game, Horford did a good job on Jokic. Jokic is... Uh, a stud in this league, and Horford held him to 8, 8, and 10. Yes, I understand that's almost a triple-double, but Jokic is, is the type of guy who can get 15, 12, and 10. Excuse me, just burped. So keep an eye out on those. There were some really good things in that November game you could take away from, and then one really bad thing you could when I was looking over at some of the game recaps. They only went to the free-throw line 12 times, so that obviously needs to happen more. You know, remember at the beginning of the year where the Celtics refused to take free throws and they were like 29th in free throw attempts? They need to do that more. But there were some good things. They had a bunch of blocks. I think they had eight or nine blocks in that game. They had less turnovers than the, the Nuggets did. They controlled the ball. They weren't lazy with the ball, so that was good. And they also shot a better f field goal percentage than the Nuggets as well. So if the shots are falling for this team and they can rebound the ball well, defend well, 
I think you could get a... This technically would be an upset if the Celtics beat the Nuggets tonight at TD Garden. 76ers game on Wednesday. It's a huge game. Not only because it's the 76ers, but it's also on the road, and it's also for playoff seedings. But, I mean, what... What can you really talk about? The Celtics already won the series. They're currently up three games to zero. The last time these two these two teams played in Philadelphia, the set, um, the Celtics won a crazy game without Kyrie, and everyone was like, is this team better with Kyrie? Blah, 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 blah. Gordon Hayward had a great game. Horford had a great game. It was crazy. And, I mean, it's pretty simple. If you can stop the two-man game between Embiid and Redick and stop a lot of their elbow screens that they did in the last game, then you're going to win this basketball game. I, I really and truly believe that. I, I do. You know, Simmons and Butler, they're going to get theirs. Can't, but the Celtics need to attack Tobias Harris. We talk about poor defending with Terry Rozier. Tobias Harris cannot guard Jalen Brown. He cannot guard Jason Tatum. I don't want to see Marcus Morris with the ball with Tobias Harris on him because I feel like it's kind of equal. Yes, I understand Marcus Morris loves contested jumpers, but I saw Jason Tatum against Tobias Harris. I'm all for it. Now, if Jason Tatum was a better passer, I would probably be drooling about it. But obviously, Jason Tatum has to improve his passing. And we all know that if if Jalen is being guarded by Tobias Harris, he's not going to pass anyone. And hopefully, he can score. The other thing I'm really focused in on this game, can Scary Terry play, can outplay McConnell? McConnell is their energy guy off the bench. And Terry Rozier has to match that. So hopefully, Terry can outplay McConnell and actually defend McConnell. But obviously, you know, it's not going to happen. To me, is this a must win? Absolutely. I don't want to give the 76ers any type of confidence thinking they can beat the Celtics or thinking that this is a rivalry in any way, shape, or form. Because, folks, let's be honest, we own the 76ers for the time being. Now, if they lose this game on Wednesday, would I be surprised? No, I wouldn't. But I just hate the 76ers and I would like them to win. The game on Saturday versus the Hornets. The Hornets are fighting for something. They're only one or two games out of the eighth seed. This is the fourth time this year the Celtics and Hornets have played. The Celtics are 2-1 and one against them. Their, their one loss that they had is was on the road where they'll be on Saturday, so keep an eye out on that. But they won the first game against the Hornets, which I believe was in November, by 28. And then two days before Christmas at the Garden, they won by 16. And then that one loss on the road, they lost by 5. Now, in that 28-point win earlier in the season, Kyrie didn't play that game. So, obviously, we just talked about two pretty good wins without Kyrie, but it happens. And like I've always said, every single time the Celtics have played the Hornets this year, Kemba Walker is owns real estate in Brad Stevens' mind. He always plays very, very well against whatever Brad Stevens' team is coaching. He just destroys Brad Stevens. So obviously Marcus Smart, Kyrie, really need to step up their game defensively to control him. He dropped 43 points on the Celtics earlier this year. That very first game that, uh, I'm sorry, that road game where they lost by five, it was at home. And Kemba isn't a great defender. So I think Kyrie could have some fun with it as long as Kyrie's shooting well. And speaking of shooting, I feel like this Hornets team is a very like, hot and cold team like if Batum or Batum Nicholas Batum Lamb and some of those other guys get going they're they're a tough team to beat but the last time they came to the garden this team shot 13 of 40 from three so that's tough that's gross so if the Celtics can you know defend the three-point shot well like they have as of late 
I think this should be a pretty easy win for the Celtics before going into their final back-to-back of the season. Is it the final back-to-back? Of the, no, I'm sorry. Their second-to-last back-to-back of the season. They got another back-to-back on the 29th and the 30th against the Pacers and the Nets. But another back-to-back. And the Celtics really aren't that great back-to-backs. They're not. They're 4-6 and six this year when it comes to back-to-backs. Not, not that great. And coming out of the weekend, the Spurs have won eight in a row. They're the sixth seed in the West. They've been playing some great basketball. Now, but this week, before they play the Celtics, they have to play the Warriors, the Heat, and the Rockets. That's a tough week. So Sunday night, 7.30, Spurs, Pop, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. It's going to be a good game. I, I, I think it will be a fun Sunday night game. And it's weird that there's a 7.30 game on a Sunday. Usually it's like a 6 o'clock game, so that's kind of weird. And just so you guys remember, they did play earlier this year on New Year's Day. The Celtics lost by nine. Um, that was the crazy game where the Celtics gave up like 45 or 46 points in that third quarter. The Spurs went like 19 of 25, 20 of 26, somewhere in that range in that quarter, including oh, this part I will not forget. They went on a 21 to 2 run in that third quarter. It was absolutely crazy. Crazy. And the Celtics, if you take away that quarter, I think the Celtics would have won that game by five or six. Just crazy. And speaking of crazy, Jalen Brown had an insane game. An insane game. He had 32 points in that game. And that was the first time Gordon Hayward was scored, was held scoreless in his career, I think, or like the first time since something happened. I don't remember. But I I do remember that Gordon Hayward was held scoreless and it was kind of like a big deal. But Spurs are playing well right now. The Celtics are playing well right now, too. So it should be a good game as, as long as everyone responds properly to the second night of a back-to-back. Now, before we get into Banner Banter Investigation, just one click, one quick little news and notes, if you will. Thomas Robinson, he played with Marcus Morris at Kansas. Power forward, big guy, you know, someone that is a lot more physical than Daniel Tice since Daniel Tice isn't physical in any way, shape, or form. And he just signed with the main Red Claws. I think he, I don't know how many games he played, but I think he played a game over the weekend and he had like 17 points and two assists. So keep an eye on him. I think he could be that final roster spot for the playoffs. And I and I think he, I'm not saying he could get a lot of minutes. I'm just saying he might be getting five or six minutes a game to give Horford some rest or Bain some rest or if either one of them get into foul trouble. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Great. Super duper. Love it. All right. Let's get into the Banner Banter Investigation. Let's go. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is themed around someone who played one more game than Isaiah Thomas did for the Boston Celtics. Isaiah Thomas played 179 regular season games for the Boston Celtics, and I found someone in the same exact position as him that played 180 regular season games. Now, Isaiah Thomas played 25 playoff games, and this person played 11 playoff games, but... The person that I am talking about is Marcus Banks. Marcus Banks played 180 games for the Celtics, and he only started five of them. That's right. He averaged a riveting six points, 
and two assists per game for the Boston Celtics, but he shot 45% from three in the playoffs, which is 15% better than Isaiah Thomas did while he was here. Now, what's crazy about Marcus Banks is his name is actually Arthur LaMarcus Banks. So I don't know where the Marcus came from. Like, I understand that Marcus is technically in his name, but why isn't his name LaMarcus Banks or Arthur Banks? I guess we'll never know because I looked it up and I couldn't find it anywhere. Anyways, he played at Dixie State for a little bit, then went to UNLV in college and was selected 13th by the Memphis Grizzlies in the 2003 NBA draft. And I don't know if you guys have heard of these guys before, but like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were also in that draft. So pretty good draft class to be a part of, especially in the lottery. And what's funny about this is I think this was, you know, the Isaiah Thomas trade was probably the first time that Danny Ainge made a lot of Celtics fans angry, maybe minus the Jeff Green trade to the Thunder. But this was probably the first time where people like, blah. and Marcus Banks was actually Danny Ainge's very first draft pick as the Boston Celtics general manager. So that's pretty cool. But on draft night, he was traded to the Celtics with Kendrick Perkins and Troy Bell. I'm sorry. He was, sorry, I completely said that wrong. So we had Troy Bell and Dante Jones, and we traded them to the Grizzlies for Kendrick Perkins and Arthur LaMarcus Banks. Pretty crazy, right? Now, during that time, Marcus Banks was around when the 76ers had Allen Iverson, and Allen Iverson actually said at one point that the best defender he has ever played against was Marcus Banks, something you could not say about Isaiah Thomas because he Never could play defense. He was a huge part of that seven-game series where the Celtics lost uh, to the Pacers in 2005. He played. He had some great, great games versus them. And, you know, Marcus Banks didn't have the fame that Isaiah Thomas did. But no one treated him for playing one more regular season game than Isaiah Thomas like this. You know, when he returned, should have given him more respect. But anyways, in January of 2006, so about three years later, he was traded with Mark Blount, Ricky Davis, and Justin Reed for Dwayne Jones, Michael Oluwa Candy, and Wally Zerbiak. That's a lot of vowels in that trade. Like Oluwa Candy and Zerbiak, that's crazy. But once he was on the Timberwolves, he didn't really play that well for them. He then played for the Suns, the Heat, the Raptors, and the Hornets. Hmm, kind of sounds like Isaiah Thomas with all the teams that he has to play with. And then he played over in Greece for a little bit, and now he actually plays in the Big Three that Ice Cube 3-on-3 basketball league for all the old farts that still think that they can play in the NBA. And he's on the Ghost Ballers, and I think Mike Bibby's on that team, and Mike Bibby now looks like Timbaland and Buster Rhymes like on steroids, like all jacked up a Mountain Dew. But, yeah, that is your Banner Banter investigation this week. That is your recap of all the Celtics games from last week and a preview of all the Celtics games that they got this week. It will be an exciting and important week for the Boston Celtics, especially for the playoff seedings. If you guys have any questions or want me to talk about anything on the podcast, please email me at bannerbanterpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at bannerbanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at bannerbanterpodcast. If you don't like the podcast application you're listening to right now, let's say you're listening to iTunes, you don't like it, you can also go to Google Podcast in the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud. I'm all over the place. Check it out. Tell a friend. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Larry Bird number episode of the 
Banner Banter Podcast. And that's it. And speaking about Larry Bird, hey, Larry, why don't you uh, take us out of here? Thanks, bud. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.